0: Hey, Nate, what you got there, man?
1: Well, it was supposed to be a disc with the newest movie from, you know, that that film series with the wizards and, and the magic battles and stuff. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I love I that stuff. Once you finish up a film series and the creator says it's done, not sure there should be more movies. But doesn't matter now, I guess, because this apparently is not the movie I was looking for. It looks like this one is from Lando's collection, I'm almost positive.
0: Why do you say that? Look at the title,
1: "Fantastic Breasts and Where to Find Them."
0: Oh, oh my! Enjoy your stay, your stay. Uh, Cincinnati Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> What you?
1: have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly really belong here with us, fucking club.
0: Don't get excited. Welcome, scoundrels, back to another episode of Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. I'd like to thank you for visiting us here at our fabulous podcast in the clouds. I'm the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris, and with me, just like always, Nathan P. Butler.
1: Hello, everyone. We are back.
0: How how you doing? Are you traumatized yet?
1: No, no, I'm... I'm good. Why should I be traumatized? What? What, what did I miss?
0: <laughs> Nothing. Um,
1: oh, that that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got an email. Sweet. Yep. Uh, since you know we've we've kind of dropped back to a monthly schedule, which things are kind of slowing down. Uh, I'm my promotion that's been a long time coming at work is shorter at this point so uh by this time next month i should have um you know kind of jumped into that position but we'll see cuz they tend to like to drag their feet and who knows i mean it it could be a year from now that's literally a thing that could happen but shouldn't um
1: well a month from now though uh-huh regardless We'll at least have some great news to report because we'll be at or going through Celebration, right? My first and your how many?
0: Second.
1: Second. There you go. So so the freshman and sophomore uh, of Celebration, which would be great because that totally fits our humor style.
0: <laughs> well, I, th- I think, though, I probably fit more of the freshman, I would think.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the sophomore card.
0: <laughs> You're a little more mature, but still kind of in there, I feel like. Um,
1: <laughs> On radio yeah, or podcast or whatever.
0: <laughs> so I'll go ahead and read our email and then uh, we can talk more about the uh, celebration after that. Uh, so this this email says, hi, I love your show. I'm Courtney and I'm 11. Okay. I'm just going to stop you right there and say, what is wrong with your parents? That they let you listen to the show. Seriously.
1: What? I, I was going to say that. that's pretty awesome. We, we, we're hearing from not only a young fan, uh-huh. but one of the female fans out there of the show. Usually it's older guys who write in or write reviews.
0: Right. But I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know that this is you know, a, a quality show. That that's why you would Wait, expect... I'm just saying.
1: We're not that inappropriate... As he remembers what we just did as the
0: opening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, Courtney, you can do better. Um, but no, seriously, I, I appreciate your writing in. So she says, can you make a Han Solo show? Um, she says, please, thanks, enjoy my fellow Star Wars fan. Also, who is Rey's parents? What is your favorite character, movie, and team? So... Uh, I guess we can kind of go through our opinions on each of these. The first thing, I guess, as, as far as a Han Solo show, uh, that would be a little harder to do currently. That, that might be a bit easier to do in the future. Um, but currently, there's not a whole lot of stuff with him in games. Um, he, I can tell you as far as the, the tabletop stuff goes, they do have um, a piece in Imperial Assault. And he, he's pretty decent. He, he works well with Leia, but then again, everyone works well with Leia in Imperial Assault because Leia is like the best character ever in that game. Um, and there's also a team that is referred to as Smuggler's Ball that uh, sort of revolves around Han. And essentially what it is is just piling up all the characters and allowing them to Like they each have different abilities that sort of boost their uh, their defenses up, and by keeping them all combined, it makes it really hard to to take down one piece. Uh, As far as X-wing, the he is one of the pilots of the Millennium Falcon, of course, and he was actually the let's see, I believe it was the second uh, year at Nationals or Worlds for um, the X-wing Worlds tournament. Um, he, the, the Han Solo, uh, it was called Fat Han, but that team actually won that year. So, um, that's about all I got. It's about all I can think of. Other than that, he's been in like Battlefront. Do you have anything, Nate?
1: Well, I know he's been in, as you were saying, he's been in Battlefront recently. And I would say personally, he was my favorite of the three, initial hero characters that we got. I like the longer-range attack, and and he's a little bit more straightforward attacking as opposed to the support way that you would tend to play as Leia. Um, but for me, probably my fondest memory of Han Solo in a video game is, from a story standpoint, going back to Battlefront Renegade Squadron, um, back on the PlayStation portal. It's the only platform that was available on. Uh, the follow-up Elite Squadron was on that and the Nintendo DS, even though they played completely differently. Um, But the idea that sort of while he's working with the rebellion, he would bring together other people like him to form a group to help carry out missions for the rebellion, I always thought was a very cool idea. And it's it's interesting that they haven't quite gone that direction yet with canon, with the news stories, but to some degree, the idea of people sort of. On the fringes or the less pure characters working together, in some respects, is kind of what we have with Rogue One, and surely we'll have that whenever we have a lot of new characters together with Han and Lando in the upcoming Han Solo film. And I guess the other fondest memory of Han Solo has got to be Kinect Star Wars. I don't care what <laughs> anyone says about Kinect Star Wars, the musical section of that game, as lame as it is, is also incredibly fun, amusing. And I got to give them credit for the parody songs they were able to make. So uh, uh, the I'm Han Solo, I'm Han Solo, Solo, that whole thing is uh, one of my favorite experiences from the uh, Connect. Granted, that's like being valedictorian of summer school, but um, <laughs> it was one of my favorite experiences uh, on the Connect for the Xbox 360.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think it's fun. It, it's definitely, you know, it's not one of the mo- more serious games or experiences or whatever, but sometimes it's okay as long as we're not talking therapy Ewoks.
1: Oh, oh, as he's he's <laughs> leaning himself back in that canonical
0: direction. Oh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I had something in my head when when you were talking and then I was like, oh, gone. Gone! But, gone. uh, an, another Ray's thing. Parents. I'm sorry. Ray's parents. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, that's a great transition, but I, I just remembered it. <laughs> So I r- ruined it for you. Um, another thing is he does make an appearance in the bonus content of, uh, was it the Force Unleashed 2?
1: Oh, yeah, the, um, like the alternate history thing, but that one's going to give you nightmares. <laughs> Han
0: fan. Right. Well, and the thing that I remember is it was sort of used um, by a, a certain group to be like, oh look, this was ripped off for the Force Awakens and I'm like, you can't no, that's just like it's stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm you talking know, every, about. Every
1: every movie that's ever had somebody killed by a gun just ripped off that first movie where somebody had a gun man.
0: Right. Right. Basically
1: is what they're saying. Yeah.
0: Pretty much, but I mean, you know, that's when you it, it's kinda hard. When when you don't have much you have to grasp at straws where you can, so
1: so right. now do we want to hit Ray's parents?
0: I guess we can hit Ray's parents for absolutely for leaving their hit, child.
1: Exactly. I want to hit Ray's parents <laughs> for leaving her alone on the planet with Unkar Plutt. Yeah. Um, now, I do find it interesting. Very recently, there was a Disney stockholder shareholder kind of meeting. And the reports that came out of it apparently were incorrect in what they were saying. Because they've been clarified since then. But for about a day or a day and a half... We had this conversation going on online because some of the people coming out of that meeting who got to saw some clips from uh, the Last Jedi episode eight.
0: They got to said, saw. What? You just said they got to saw some clips.
1: Sorry, who 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 saw some clips?
0: <laughs> so I'm just yeah. saying, you're. I mean, you're a teacher. Yeah. I expect better. Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. It's been a long, long day. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the people who went in there and saw that. Some of them came out reporting that Luke's first lines in The Last Jedi are going to be him basically standing there with Rey, like at the end of Force Awakens, saying, who are you? Which brought up, oh my gosh, Luke doesn't know who she is. So that knocks down all these theories about who the parents could be, et cetera, et cetera. Only it turns out that his line, who are you, comes from a completely different place within the film um, that has no relation necessarily to that scene. So all of the, oh, no, there's no way Luke knows who she is thing is back out the window again. We don't know if he has any idea who she is or not. Uh,
0: I have a lot of comments on that. I'm expecting
1: it to be somebody we know for one reason. Yes? The novelization of The Force Awakens that was based on the script before doing any last editing as it was being shot. Right. Uh, When she shows up and, and, uh, you know, they... Kylo Ren has knocked out Finn and she grabs the lightsaber with the force and activates it. And he's looking at her all shocked in the novel. He says, it is you. Right. So he recognizes her or something about her position within the galaxy or something, um, within the original script that made its way into the novelization. So I'm, I don't know who it is, but I would imagine we've probably seen them or heard of them at some point already.
0: (laughs) so uh, i have a lot to say on, on on all that but uh the the one thing i want to say it was pablo that mentioned and not that i believe it but said that you know referred to that that um i'm a bunch of my words here basically his response to that was that um it, it it is you is like it is you causing all this ruckus in the force like meaning that um that disturbance in the force that they felt or whatever was being caused by Ray. Not so much that he is like, Oh, it is you. That person who did that thing Uh, back then that I know
1: she would, she was the awakening. Have you felt it?
0: Right. I'm not saying that I believe that, but I I do want to say that was a thing that, that was mentioned uh, back when that first came out. Could be wrong, but that's what I was thinking was said. Um, as for the line, First thing I gotta say is whoever was reporting that, kind of a jerk bag. Like, don't, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't come out of there and start to be. Ooh, this was said. Or... Hey, here's an idea. Shut your mouth. Like, I'll I'll wait till either the uh, the trailer or the film to see that. I don't I don't need you telling me. Um, but if he did say, "Who are you?" You know, Luke's got long hair now. I don't know if we specifically see his ears. Um, He could have had earphones in, so that whole time when he's turned around looking, he may have just been waiting for the song to ramp up, and he's just breaking into the who's, who are you?
1: You realize you just referenced a band that is so old, barely I recognize the song when you're speaking in response to a message from an 11-year-old. She's going to have to go ask her great grandparents who those people are.
0: <laughs> Wait, but hold on. But it wasn't it the theme song to one of the CSI songs or CSI TV show?
1: Okay, so she's going to have to ask her grandparents then.
0: Is CSI not a thing that people watch anymore?
1: I doubt it's a thing that eleven year olds watch. I and don't is know. it still producing new? Epi- you know what? It, it, move, moving on. Moving on.
0: Uh, <laughs> move uh, along. Move uh, along. Uh, All you right.
1: A, you have a favorite. Uh, Character, movie, or team, which I'm assuming means side, like Rebel, Imperial, First Order, etc., etc., what's your trio there?
0: Okay, so, first off, just to, to hit my thing, because I guess I didn't actually say who I felt like Race parents are. Obviously, we still don't know. Um, I'm still leaning toward Luke. I, I'm going to be kind of upset if it's not Luke, honestly. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll do it in a way that... If it ends up not being Luke, but I just felt like that was the way that the Force Awakens was pointing so hard that if it that comes out to not be the case, then I'm going to feel like they decided to change it um, in the meantime, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think that when the Force Awakens was made, the intentions were that, but since then they could have said oh no what if instead we make her a nobody because everyone's like wouldn't it be so cool she's a nobody no that wouldn't be cool at all that'd be stupid um but that doesn't mean that that might not be a thing that that gets said but anyhow um my favorite character is of course lando calrissian uh love love lando uh as, as you can tell by the uh the skits we do on the show and the fact that it's it's uh called Cloud City Casino. my favorite movie is still um the return of the jedi I know uh some people like to put that one lower um or you know up before the force awakens it was in the uh the lower half instead of the upper half usually but um i I love it and uh favorite team i i I'm guessing. By that you mean, um, tip, I, I guess more along the lines of like Empire uh, Rebels. I'm I'm gonna pick uh, the scoundrels. I know that's kind of like a an out, but I always like the the scoundrels, the sort of work for themselves, but not necessarily like bounty hunters.
1: All right, uh, <laughs> let's see. Character wise, um, I think it's gonna depend on what we're talking about. If we're talking about all of Star Wars, and we include all the old stuff. We're talking the books, the comics, the video games, everything, uh, including the Legends continuity, the stuff that was being made up until a few years ago as one big story. Uh, Cade Skywalker, that is uh, the the descendant of Luke Skywalker and his wife in that storyline, at least uh, Mara Jade. Um, very troubled character. He he has to fight against a lot of things in his past and in his nature to choose to do the right thing. Um, Just a character I really latched on to. My wife and I have actually decided if we ever have a son, we will name our son Cade, at least as his first name. Uh, If you're talking about just the movies or just the newer storylines, newer storyline, not in film, uh, Afra is awesome, from the darth vader comics she is absolutely nuts but that's what makes her a fun character it's kind of like what if indiana jones had a death wish um, and was a woman uh film wise though i gotta go with kylo ren i, I i've kind of come to that point because i really like the complex characters in terms of their psychology what they think how they think how their emotions drive them are they conflicted about what they're doing and he seems like uh, one of the characters that are most in that vein in what we've seen in the films. Um, favorite film, uh, at this point, I'm going back and forth between The Force Awakens and Rogue One. So one of those, although, again, you know, back in 2002, whenever I started out my first podcast, the first thing I said really was that uh, uh, Attack of the Clones was my favorite Star Wars movie ever, and it was the best ever. And now I think of it as one of the, my least favorites. So that can certainly change. And sides or teams, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna. This is kind of a cop out, but we're both doing the cop out. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to go with the Republic slash Empire because <laughs> I'm a. But because I'm a history teacher, mm-hmm. and specifically, what I like is that transition period where you see all the corruption where people even trying to do the right things for the wrong reasons or do the wrong things for the right reasons wind up allowing a republic where people still have a voice to get transformed into this empire, and people are applauding it instead of it being something that uh, scares them. And it's only the few people who are still kind of rational about things um, who are the ones who see it as a threat. Um, There are so many times in real-world history where that type of thing has happened, where people have lost their rights and empires have risen. Um, and people had to stand up against them for any type of, of rights for themselves, um, that I find that whole time period interesting. So depending on when you look, I'd either be saying, ooh, the Republic, or ooh, the Empire. But it's less about the individual people and more about all the political stuff that's going on for me, because I teach it.
0: Gotcha. So uh, you, you never really did mention who you... Who you at least wanted Ray's parents to be?
1: I, I mean, I don't know that there is someone that I want. Them to be. I, I want the parents to be someone who, in some sense, we know or should know. Right. Um, I think it'd be a little obvious if it w- she was Luke's child, but I think they're laying the foundation that that could be the case, because if you look at uh, Aftermath and that trilogy and you look at Bloodline and all these different books now, these few that we have that are between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, Luke has basically gone in all of them. So it's entirely possible, given the fact that Rey is only, what, 19 years old in The Force Awakens, that at some point, while Luke was off the grid somewhere, he had this child, and maybe even Luke and Han didn't know about her. Um, so it's it's possible, or, but just about any theory is pretty much plausible at this point, except for things like, you know, it's one of the characters from Rogue One's team. Or, <laughs> we uh, we know that's Obi not the case. Uh, Obi-Wan's no, because she's 19. So it had to be somebody who was around at that point. But otherwise, you know, almost any theory is just as good as any other at this point. We, we just don't know.
0: And and that's my issue with the Kenobi theory. Um, a lot of people, it, it seems like right now, that's sort of the most prevalent and I think that's mostly due to the fact that uh, Anthony Bresnikan came out and said it. And, you know, all due respect to Anthony Bresnikan, um, except for when I tease him on Facebook from time to time. But that has nothing to do with this. Um, he, I, you know, I, I think people are, are, are saying that just based on what he's saying. But I don't think that that's, to me, it, it's too convoluted. Because, obviously, uh, he died, what, like, uh 20 years before she was even born something like that. Yeah, so he
1: would not have been around. Right. To be able to be Now he could be her grandfather. Right. If, if there was a secret child out there somewhere, but that then still leaves open the question of who's the parent aside from just well, it was Obi-Wan's kid.
0: And yeah, and I think that then what you're, what you're creating by trying, because from trying to look at these things, like from a movie standpoint, yeah, it's cool to have uh, surprises and stuff, but at the same time, you can't sit there and you, you can't spend a lot of time with expositional dialogue or it's going to hurt the movie. And so for them to be like, oh, you're a Kenobi. Who's Kenobi? Okay, well, he was my teacher who died uh, back on the Death Star well wasn't that like way before i was born how can i be related to him well let me tell you you know and it's just like that's just sounds really convoluted so that's why i think that one isn't the case or at least um wouldn't make for the best film
1: last point before we move on on this Uh uh-huh how would you feel yes if You said that you wouldn't like it if it, if you wouldn't necessarily be all for it if it wasn't Luke because you feel like it's building towards Luke. Right. But what if it builds towards Luke and then we have a revelatory moment in the movie where he turns to Rey and says, No, I'm not your father. As symmetry with the Empire strikes back. Would that moment. And how amusing it is? Do anything for you, or would that just make you even more angry?
0: I think that would kind of make me angry because I would just uh. be like, "Really? That's like that's <laughs> stupid. Like that's it, it." Would be like if they wanted to to make a, a movie uh, in Star Wars that that doesn't necessarily connect to the other movies as far as like the the actual storyline, like a spinoff type thing, but then tried to like pull in characters with uh, like a really obvious line that they're known for from another movie. Um, you know, and and just sort of like a, a close up on them on the screen, just being like, "Oh, look, it's that guy, and he's saying that thing." You know, isn't that awesome?
1: Like if if Han Solo had lifted up Anakin's slash Luke's lightsaber in The Force Awakens and went, "This belongs in a museum."
0: No, I was I was referring no. to Pandababa and Doctor Evison in Rogue One. No.
1: Oh, I had I blocked that out. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Anyhow, so we're getting we, that they're around. All right. Yeah, we spent way too much you. time on this, but uh, thanks, Courtney, for, for write, writing in. I hope you enjoyed our responses. Uh, if anyone else would love to write in, we'd certainly appreciate it because that kind of gives us an idea for what, uh, what interests people have. So, for instance, you know, since we do cover both video games and uh, tabletop games. Let us, you know, write in, let us know what you like, what you want to hear more about, because that way uh, we can focus more on that uh, in episodes. So if someone says, hey, tell me about this ship in X-Wing or whatever, if we're talking that, we're going to be talking more of the tabletop stuff, what you might like. If you're like, hey, mention this game or whatever, I loved that one, then we're going to be talking more of that. So point is, send us an email or a tweet or whatever, and of course... All of that is just, you know, like Casino at gmail.com is the email. Um, and then we're just cloudcitycasino on all of the uh, social media. So definitely uh, reach out to us on there and, and like Courtney's email. We will read it here on the show. So the next thing that I was wanting to to jump into here, I believe what we have on the docket, is that even though there's no Star Wars game for it, it is new, and it is in, in the gaming news. The Nintendo Switch is out. Meh. <laughs> now, th- this may surprise the listeners, but Nate and I have totally different views on this. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Whoa! Now you're gonna you're gonna jump on me about making an old band reference, and you're. Can I
1: bust out Gomer Pyle on you. <laughs> that's right.
0: I feel like that's a bit hypocritical, sir. Yes, it is. <laughs> but so the uh, the switch, you're you're kind of mad on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and this is something we're gonna see when we talk about Force Arena, also. Um, Gaming is this very, very broad field, even when it comes to video gaming, to the point where it's not just, you know, hardcore gaming versus casual or uh, PC versus console versus mobile. Um, There are so many different genres of games and so many different ways you can construct a gaming console, its interface, the controller, the type of games you put out that, it's really hard to pigeonhole gaming into just a handful of categories. But it feels like Nintendo... I mean, I grew up on Nintendo. Ninte- like You would not believe the number of games I either played or rented for years for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. I was a Nintendo guy through that Super Nintendo N64 GameCube. It was only then, outside of a Genesis that I had alongside Super Nintendo, that I jumped away from uh, from Nintendo at all. And I've still owned the Wii the Wii U, and so on. So I was a big Nintendo guy for a long time, but it feels as though in the last generation of games, it's like the Wii U to an extent in the previous one with just the Wii. And now it's kind of like the type of gamer I am, the type of gaming interest that I have, what I look for in a console. It doesn't seem like Nintendo is aiming for people In my segment of the gaming community, nor does it seem like they want us as consumers. Um, They're giving us basically a a system here that is like I expect a next generation console to like kind of push some boundaries and such. Um, uh, I'd have to see direct comparisons between PS4, um, Xbox One, and the Switch in terms of what it can do as far as, you know, graphical powerhouse or whatever. Right. Um, uh, what type of of games are going to have coming for it, but um, just everything from the Joy-Con controllers um, and the the use of them separately and that sort of thing, and it just uh, the the ability to take you can take it on the go. Granted, you're moving app back and forth from a dock that could theoretically scratch it, and the battery life kind of stinks, uh, like on the old portables, like Game Gear and Nomad era, um, and then. It seems like not a ton, relatively speaking, of third-party support where it's mostly going to be Nintendo putting out Nintendo stuff again. Um, I feel like I've been left behind. Like my my Wii U, I, I loved Zombie U on it. I played both Bayonettas. Otherwise, I basically haven't touched the Wii U since I bought it pretty much. Um, and I don't see any motivation other than just being able to talk about it on the show to buying a Switch at this point.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of fair, um, but see, I come from the other mindset of, to me, the more that, uh, w- w- with consoles, especially this current gen, I feel like they're just computers that are more limited, you know? I, I feel like that consoles have, have just turned into basically gaming PCs, but they're just, they're they're more... Like I said, they're, they're just not as good, you know? Even the new... I, I built my computer back in 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. It was like right before the PS4 came out. And they've since updated the PS4. And my gaming PC is still more powerful, you know? I, I just feel like that as far as that stuff goes, I think that we're kind of hitting the limits without really you know, it, it, we're, we're kind of getting to that point of like, well, you know, why, why does it matter? You know? And, and like, when you look at, uh, I think when you look at like, say the, the Xbox and the PlayStation, I just don't feel like there's, there's enough difference uh, between the two, you know, used to, you could say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to get this one for, for this reason or that one for that reason or whatever. But to me, there's only like a, hand, a very small handful of exclusives that uh, that would cause you to get one over the other, and, and and that's a big part of why I was leaning more toward the the PS4 when I initially bought it was because I was like, okay, Ratchet and Clank is not something that I can get on the PC, um, you know, Uncharted's not something I can get on the PC, but most of the games on Xbox I can get on the PC. There's there's a couple that I can't, but I'm not super into those games anyway. So, as far as that goes, like, that just, that isn't anything that I'm interested in. Yeah, it doesn't push, uh, you know, it doesn't push the medium forward in any way as far as uh, graphically. But at the same time, graphics, I don't think graphics make, like, if, if you have a game that has the best graphics out there, but the gameplay is trash... Then, to me, I'm like, well, what are you doing? I'm, I'm more well, interested in, in having a fun uh, game experience. Like,
1: Well, to, to be fair, what I mean uh-huh. is not necessarily that graphics are the end-all, be-all. Obviously, right. they're not. Um, what I would say, though, is that the way that the, that the general video game community looks at consoles as they are arriving uh, tends to be that you expect newer systems to be at least on par with the current generation of what's out there, if not pushing it beyond somehow in terms of hardware, which usually at this point is meaning processing power, graphical power, can it do, you know, 4K or or, or whatever. It's just, it's just one of the benchmarks that's oftentimes used in that sense. And that's one of the things Nintendo has had going against it for a while now That Essentially, when the PS3 and Xbox 360 were out there, the Wii, uh, the original Wii was still around with graphics that were pretty much equivalent and processing very much equivalent uh, or close to it to the GameCube. And then PS4 and Xbox One bust out of the gate with that next HD gen of consoles. And, and this current generation, they're like, here's the Wii U. It's kind of equivalent to your system's last generation. Um, it, it's a combined impression thing. mm mm-hmm. um, Though though I do say – I will say, though, that there is one thing that we're not giving it credit for if we're saying it's not pushing it ahead, and that is that – I mean, being able to take it on the go despite the fact that it is a little large um, and it, it, it's – the battery life is kind of meh. Um, I loved being able to play games on the Wii the, – the one game, you know, the Bayonetta games, I guess, uh, on Wii U being able to play straight off of just the gamepad without having to be sitting at the TV to do it if I was close enough. So being able to have a hybrid of console and portable that is that is a big deal if you're gonna do a lot of portable gaming
0: right And yeah, definitely and that's what I that's what I like about this system is that it um, they choose m- more um, innovation over graphic power, I guess you would say. And that's something that I think that's smart and you know the thing is previously, Uh, At least, and I would say probably with the price tag of this one, it's the the case. As far as, um, like, business decisions, they, you know, Sony and Microsoft, when they sell a system, they lose money. It costs them more, uh, at least initially, it costs them more to make the system than what they're going to sell it for. But with uh, Nintendo, they've always made a profit. And you know i i think that kind of helps especially when like uh the wii u wasn't the greatest seller out there so mm-hmm. that that certainly can help in in that aspect but you know they i don't know i i think that i like their business model better where they're they're not interested in in like oh look how pretty this is you know they're like hey we want to make fun games you know they've got uh Sort of a new—I don't want to call it a rumble feature, but you know they—they're trying to make games that are, are more than just you know move around, you know move, move the uh, the sticks around and, and get to the location. They're—they're they're trying to have more hands-on experience, I guess you would say. I don't—I don't really know how to explain that. Just but, different,
1: just different experiences in general, I right? And let, let me ask you this, mm-hmm. because you brought up the exclusives. Right, And and having that determined. And that for me a lot of times is what determines uh, which platform that I wind up picking up. Um, I think of something like an Uncharted or uh, even – I'm leaving PSVR off to the side because I think now that that has arrived, there is a clear delineation in approaches between the other two big consoles right now. Um, I think it would be a no-brainer for most people unless they're totally into certain exclusives to jump to 4 uh, PS4 instead of Xbox One with VR as an option now. Um, But just in terms of exclusive games with VR completely taken out of the equation, I think of something like a Halo or a Gears of War um, or an Uncharted and so on and those sorts of things. And they have some pretty dedicated followings, but then I think of Nintendo and Nintendo, they are locked in with Mario Zelda, they have some of the most recognizable long-term video game properties in existence. Oh, yeah, for sure. And their own exclusive providence, which means that if you want to play those games, you're going to have to buy now a Switch. But it's an interesting balance here because on the one hand, they have those exclusives, so someone who likes those is guaranteed locked into Switch and is probably excited as all heck about Switch. But at the same time even though people don't necessarily get that gung-ho most of the time over those other consoles exclusives, those other consoles are close enough in comparison that most, as you were saying, most multi-platform games are available for both of them and oftentimes PC as well. Whereas, as we saw with the Wii U, not necessarily going to be the case from what we're seeing with the current list of titles um, for the Switch. So doesn't the fact that most mainstream games, which most of the time, our multi-platform, may not even be coming to, yet again, a Nintendo system, doesn't that relegate the Switch for most of the gaming community? Not the Nintendo community, but the gaming community in general. Doesn't it do what it did to the Wii U and eventually to the Wii in the later years and basically relegate the Nintendo system to the secondary system? Oh, I've got this system, yeah, and i got a Nintendo one over there, too. Where it's not the, gonna be the primary gaming system for most gamers at this point?
0: I, I say yes, but I also think that that that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know what I mean? Like I don't I, I think that there's nothing there because lots of people own multiple systems. So if they put out one where you say, oh okay, well this is only $300 in comparison to uh, you know the $400, then I could get the system and two games. Um, as opposed to just getting the system, you know, like a, a secondary other system. I I I say there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously that's the like that's the, they're not so much directly competing. You know what I mean? They're true. They're just putting a product out there and saying, hey, here you go. Some people who you I would say probably aren't more hardcore gamers that that can be their primary system, but people who are will pick it up as a secondary system and i feel like they're sort of they're they're strong in a market that's not that doesn't have a lot of competition if that makes sense you know as far as being you know yeah. what the second console system is i think uh, that if you're saying okay mm-hmm. ps4 versus xbox versus um what did i miss there uh the the switch if you're looking at those three systems and you say okay well who who wins out as far as the the best offering of primary system. Uh, you know, I guess you could make a, uh, an argument for Xbox or, or Sony, but then you go, okay, well, what about the secondary system? I think that the switch has the strongest offering for a secondary system.
1: I, I would agree. You're more no. likely, I think to have a, a PS4, Xbox one and a switch than you would be to have PS4 and Xbox one, because they are in for so many games. So Interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I would bring up, because I know we got a lot of topics to cover. Yeah. Um, but last thing I would bring up is: Do you think that you mentioned that you know three hundred dollars? They are able to make a profit. I haven't seen any numbers on this, so I'm just going to assume that that's correct. Um, that said. Did they make a mistake by putting it out for three hundred when that is equivalent to or more than if you go through Amazon or something, uh, you could get a base level version of an Xbox One or a PlayStation Four for at this point? Or does the fact that it's the new thing allow that higher price tag or equivalent price tag to be justified um, in the marketplace right now? And should they perhaps have charged even more for the thing?
0: I I think three hundred dollars is is right where it needs to be, maybe. Maybe 250 would have worked better as far as um, being more appealing for the system, but I, yeah, I, I think I think 300 is is fine. Especially because the thing with those base systems are that they're almost I don't know it's it it's almost like like I don't even look at them. I'm like that's for suckers, you know, like that's for a grandma who doesn't know what she's doing. And so she buys it for the kid and he's like, Well, great, you got me half of an Xbox. Now let me go get the, the upgrades I need in order to make it actually playable.
1: Don't you be talking about grandmas? <laughs> my my grandparents had a Pong machine when I was a kid. I kid you not.
0: Yeah, but I mean I you, wonder where that thing went. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like that's I not yeah. there, there's yeah, not, not enough memory there to be viable. Well,
1: Um, the the Switch doesn't have enough to hold one of its launch titles, as far as I know.
0: Right, but... It's
1: a launch title that's already bigger than the internal storage of the Switch, so it's... But yeah, storage is an issue, does it come with the game or not, that sort of thing. Uh, But the baseline models now are what would have been about $100 more a couple years ago, yeah. uh,
0: The next thing I guess we'll jump into is the game that we promised we would check out and give our thoughts on which is the star wars force arena
1: yes it's this is a a a tough one for me Mm -hmm. um it's basically it's a it's like a real-time strategy slash moba type of game um you're given a scenario
0: hey can you explain moba because i saw that in their description and i was like oh i'll look that up later and then i didn't
1: a a moba is a multiplayer online battle arena
0: Okay, gotcha. Um,
1: so it's basically a, a, a multiplayer combat type thing that generally is not necessarily going to be like a first-person shooter type of multiplayer, but some other type.
0: Okay, um, kind of like that uh, League of Legends that everybody plays, isn't that? Yeah, Okay. of thing. Gotcha.
1: So, so what they give you is uh, you're starting with a deck of cards, and the deck of cards has different uh, characters, different vehicles and such in it and one hero, to some extent, like the way that Destiny gets set up, uh, the Dice the and Card game. And then you enter into a battle scenario where it's you against another player, and you're trying to wipe out basically the shield generator that the other side has, like this, this power source thing that the other side has. And you're going to try to get your character to it, playing somewhat similarly in terms of the movement style to what we did with Star Wars Uprising. Yeah. Um, but as you're doing that, as time goes by, you're building up energy and using that to dispatch units. So, you know, I get enough energy, okay, I'm sending out my my little tank. I'm sending in a, a, a strafing run from the air with an X-wing, et cetera, et cetera. And whoever takes out the other side's targets first wins, uh, but you can gain points for taking out things like turrets that are up against you. Um, but it's basically a matter of you play, you play, you play, As you level up, you can level up your cards and upgrade them for different currencies and different amounts of experience and such. Uh, You open up new packs of cards, sometimes as a reward, sometimes things that you buy with real money uh, or currencies that cost real money. And as you get new cards, you're always changing up your decks and whatnot. Um, But it is effectively a a multiplayer-oriented game. So if you're someone who likes Multiplayer combat. You like the isometric, like, above-the-battlefield-type look the way that uh, uh, Uprising was. Uh, you do like the idea of collecting and upgrading, and and basically you want to sort of apply card game-type rules to this type of game as well, which is not anything new for this genre, but I do find it a cool feature. And this is probably going to be a good one for you. It looks good. It sounds good. Um, its progression is, is seemingly... Uh, something that could be done with enough time and effort without needing to spend a ton of money. Um, all that said, I'm not a big fan of the game.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Um, S- yeah, we, we can get into why, but I, I try to give the positive first. What do you think? Right.
0: So, um, you know, I, I, I fired it up uh, a little bit before coming on here and 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 playing through it and everything. And so the the first thing that I noticed, I actually thought of you. Because on that first loading screen, they have, I can't remember everyone that's on it, but I specifically noticed that uh, Kanan and Ezra were on it. And they're done in a more realistic style. I was, I actually thought, you know what, this looks pretty good. I I don't feel like Nate could uh, complain too much about how Ezra was done on this. Did you notice yeah, his that
1: his nose was a human side, <laughs> Unlike fantasy flight games, way of showing us Ezra every time.
0: Right. So, um, I guess were you you were a little more pleased with the uh, likenesses there?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I say it's it's a really nice looking and nice sounding uh, game. I mean, it's it's got a slick interface and whatnot. I think that for the type of game that it is. Um, this is a seems to be at least um, a pretty solid entry into this particular market. And given that it is a free game that doesn't require a lot of spending money, um, though you can um, with the microtransactions in the game, um, I would imagine this is going to thrill a lot of people who are into this
0: game type. Yeah, I, I need more hands-on with it to um, give more detailed responses about like, okay, do I feel like they're they're giving me enough to play the game for free or do i feel like that it's just a microtransaction um you know is it just a whole of like oh spend more money spend more money and because typically i feel like that's how games are they're almost like uh or, or mobile games that they're they're less games and more like pyramid schemes of where um You know, it's like, oh, okay. So basically, I'm just dumping money into this game. You know, it's like, oh, I want to advance this. Well, I have to pay two more dollars. Oh, I've got to advance again. Oh, here's another two dollars. And you're like, this isn't a game. This is just a a complex system. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, Uh, disguised as a game. Wow, can't believe I couldn't come up with the word disguised. Uh, disguised as a game to just keep taking my money little by little. And so I don't know if um, that's the case with this one or not, or or if you can viably play the game without that being the issue. I think the best um, balance is something where you know it's set up to where it it doesn't have to really do it, but gives you a, a way to spend like a couple of bucks because. The thing is, I don't have a problem spending money on a game that I want, you know? If I'm going to go spend $60 on a brand new video game, well, if it costs me $10 uh, to play a a mobile game that I like and I feel like is a, a handheld game that's fun, I'll spend $10 on it, but don't, you know, I feel like it's always either one way or the other where I'm like, oh, there's no reason to spend money on this, or the entire purpose of this game is to take money and before I know it, it's going to have taken like 50 to a hundred dollars or something like that. Um, and it's, it's not a game at all. It's just a money system, but so I I haven't looked at that, but my biggest complaint with it so far is I did not like the tutorial. Um, I just felt like that it's, it's not super explanatory. And a lot of times it's just like, click this Okay, now click this. Okay, now battle. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go through this or whatever, you know. And it's like, you go back to that screen, it's like, now click this. Now click this. Okay, battle. And I'm like, <laughs> but, but
1: why am I clicking
0: this? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it kind of gives brief explanations, but I just, I don't know. It just didn't feel very, into- I didn't like any of the layouts for it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't think that the, the tutorial was as smooth and explanatory as it should have been. I know that's maybe hard to, to describe uh, or, or whatever, but I, I wasn't super fond of it and it just became a, a thing of me going, okay, at what point is it going to finally stop, you know, handholding and just let me play the game? Because I feel like between every battle, It's just like, oh, now click this, now click this. Okay, now you're battling again. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, it's like, when can I do my own customization and stuff instead of just doing what you tell me to do each time?
1: I can sort of address some of the things that you said there. Um, One is uh, the whole issue of money, Mm -hmm. right? So you're building up these these cards, and there are different levels of rarity, and I really wish that two of the rarities were flipped, because then the acronym for them would be cruel. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Not that the game itself is, but it just would be. You have common rare, rare being the second most common. Um, We really need to come up with better ways of describing things at this point, where nobody wants to call something that's super rare as just rare anymore. Um, but we have common rare, epic, unique, and legendary. And you get your cards through these individual packs and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. If you are doing regular play, there are things you can do to earn um, more packs, depending on what type of pack it is. So um, every four hours of play, or every four hours of being in the game, um you get one free pack of of the gold tier, I guess, is what it is.. Um, uh, you collect 10 play points from battles to earn another play pack. Um, so there are ways to get packs without spending money, right? Um, and there are ways to do it that do spend money. Um, basically the primary uh, things that you can spend real money on in the game are there's there's three packs you could buy that are that are specific. They're kind of like you know starter deck type packs where you know kind of what you're getting in them. There's a starter for the Empire, there's a starter for the Rebels. And what they do is they give you basically all the same characters that you're starting out with, but enough other stuff with them, um, enough uh, other cards that you need, gold that you need, whatever, the stuff that you need to upgrade cards, um, to upgrade all of them to essentially level three. And then you have what's called the Duo Pack, which gives you um, some specific unique cards, And there's two of them that you that are available. One of which is going to give you a a new hero. One's going to give you a new villain um, to lead your groups. Um, Although I would note that that one, uh, the two starters are 199. That one actually isn't real money. That one is 1,250 crystals, which is where the other real money stuff comes in, which is you can buy crystals in batches, kind of like buying. The, the crystal things back in uh uprising. Uh 270 crystals costs you two ninety nine. Uh the highest amount is fourteen thousand crystals for a hundred dollars. Oh my god. Um and then with those crystals though, you can spend a little over a hundred to get a gold pack, a gold tier pack as they call it. You can spend a little under eight hundred to get a platinum pack. Or a little over fifteen hundred to get a diamond tier pack, and what that means essentially is that it's going to cost you basically almost twenty bucks to be able to get a diamond tier pack, and that is with it on a discount. Um, on the other hand, it's going to co- you. You could spend three bucks and be able to get two of the gold packs, which is certainly less than what you. Uh, it's, it's equivalent to maybe one pack of a a standard CCG, a $3 pack of cards. Only in this case, you're getting two different little packs if you're going to make a comparison there. Um, You can swap out your crystals to get gold, which are your credits that you can use to buy uh, upgrades and such with. You can also use your credits to buy individual cards. They do have several of those up at any given time, and they refresh every uh, little while so that you can... You know, buy other specific cards that you want, if there are ones that you want that are available. Um, you can trade cards with people. So from the standpoint of, of cost, it seems like one that once you really are getting into it, um, you shouldn't have to spend much money. And if you do, it feels like the money is going to go a longer way than, say, back in Uprising. Although that's discounting that thing where that where Uprising had that great deal for a while. You know, pay less than 5 bucks, get crystals all throughout the month. It's way more than you would get for that much if you just spent it all at once uh, or tried to buy that much all at once. But this one doesn't have any kind of option like that. And Uprising took that away. So not sure if it's a fair comparison to even have that as part of the conversation. <laughs> Here's my thing, though. Again, going back to how there are so many different types of gamers, I am someone who wants a game to have a solid story. I am someone who wants a game where the progression, hopefully, doesn't involve much in the way of of uh, of actual having to spend money on it. So that's why I tend to prefer console games, so you can just buy it all at once. Um, I tend to like playing against the CPU more than against individuals, at least as I'm first getting to learn a game. Um, I like being able to play a game at first um, and be able to carry over some measure of what I do on my own into multiplayer. So for instance, like Destiny, you know, you're leveling up your character and unless you're playing something like Iron Banner uh, multiplayer, no, not Destiny the video game that is, uh, your your character's level doesn't affect your power in the multiplayer match, so they can all be fair. But at the same time, if you've unlocked new perks on your weapons or on your armor and such, uh, then yes, those will give you a slight advantage because you earned that whether in multiplayer or single player, and now you can go in and you can see that carry over. Um, it, it almost feels like to me this game, it, again, which I would recommend to people who like this type of game, don't get me wrong. It feels like it was it, it, Let's find the things that Nathan didn't like about uprising and didn't like about battlefront and build a game around it. <laughs> um, let's have a crap ton of microtransactions available. Um, and an impetus with the feeling that it's going to progress at a decent pace if you play it a lot, but if you want to play it just a little and be able to survive, you're probably going to wind up spending a decent amount of money. Um, it's a game that has a tutorial or a little sectioned-off area you can play on your own, but everything else is multiplayer, a la Battlefront, uh, and nothing you do in the tutorial except for getting those initial cards, nothing else you do in the tutorial helps your progression. You don't earn XP or rewards if you go back into the tutorial area. area. You must play multiplayer. You must play against human beings because mm-hmm. um, uh, your only other options here are, you know, uh, one versus one, do your daily mission, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you combine all that stuff together with the fact that there's also no story. And this is just the kind of game that I would pick up, look at, say, hey, this is nifty. This isn't for me. Again, it's like the Switch. This right. is nifty. I see what they're trying to do, it, do here, but it's just not within my wheelhouse. I'm going to have to pass. Um, I, I don't think they could possibly have... Better combined the elements that <laughs> drove me nuts about Uprising and Battlefront together, uh, unless
0: perhaps
1: they were to slow down the uh, the character progression in the multiplayer to an absolute crawl like Battlefront, in oh which case God. then they might have topped that off. But yeah, but I don't know. So so it's recomm- I highly recommend highly it recommended if you like this type of game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not for me.
0: Right. It's like I said. I'm. I'm sort of on the fence about it. I, I was playing through and I was like, wow, this is not as bad as what I was initially expecting. But I want to play more and get a better um better idea of it. And you know, about the point where I start seeing uh strategies and things like that will be when I decide, okay, this is this is fine. This is this is fun, or no, this is this is exactly what I don't want in a game. So I am open to it being good. I'm optimistic, I guess. That's that's about all I got on it.
1: <laughs> open to it being good. That's
0: Yeah. That's
1: that's like that's like uh you uh, you are taking the uh the Glenbeck and 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 others approach when it came to the recent inauguration which was okay it's happened we're gonna give them the bit of the doubt and hope things go good everybody put your helmets on
0: <laughs> right it could be a bumpy ride um i think everybody was wearing their helmet when they were electing him. but anyhow now now, um, <laughs> now
1: that we don't want to get people blasting us for one party or another a pox on both their houses now remember the the cardinal rule of of everybody in dc sucks. Right. Um, All right. So uh, I would say, I I think that if you gave this more time based on the way that you talked about uprising, I actually think you would probably get into this some, I'd be really interested in seeing what uh, Mark, my uh, fellow podcaster from star Wars beyond the films thinks of this. If he gets a chance to play it because he really likes stuff like star Wars commander, which was very, which was an RTS uh, type of, of scenario. And again, that's not a type of genre I usually play. I, I went through, and when the newest Halo came out, I played all of that Halo franchise, every single Halo game, even the side ones, except Halo Wars, which is still sitting on my shelf unplayed because it's an RTS. Um, But he likes that kind of thing. Maybe he'd be a good person to be able to tell us whether or not this is what they're... uh, whether they're meeting the goals that they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I actually used to play um, Star Wars Commander with Mark back in the day. Um, so I, I I need to, I need to get in touch with him and and see if he's checked it out. And if not, um, make him do it. And then that way he can tell us his, uh, his thoughts on it. But, um, the only other thing that we really have on the docket is that a, a huge change has happened or, or changes have happened with the most recent FAQ for Star Wars X-Wing. And, uh, basically that's the, the FAQ is for, it's really more for the tournament play, but I don't know, it, it sort of changes everything as a whole. Uh, so I guess if if you don't play in tournaments, you don't have to go by these rules or whatever, but if you decide that you want to, um, to go out and, and play with people at say game stores or something, it's definitely something to, uh, to keep in mind, because they're going to be playing with the, the latest FAQ, and it always brings about balance uh, to the game, so it's always good to to keep up with these things. And in fact, uh, you know, I say that, but the, the, the name of the article was Bringing Balance to the Force. And this has been one of the the biggest FAQs that I can re- recall in, in a while as far as doing something drastic. Um, and specifically, um, what it did was nerf about mm, four cards. Which doesn't sound
1: like a lot, but then you think about usually, it's not as drastic as in this case.
0: Right, like for instance, we have like uh, resolving simultaneous effects and opportunity opportunity to attack. Those are the types of things that you normally will get in them. Um, But they typically try not to do card errata. And the reason why is because if you buy a pack, then your card is going to say a certain thing. And that's how you think that it should be played. They don't want to change the the text on that card if they can help it. And in fact, they went a very long time because they go by Waves. And I think it may have been Wave um maybe like wave seven, I wanna say, when they finally changed a card, and that was for Tactician, in which case and and it was actually just sort of minor, um, but it was that you can only have one tactician per ship because it was when they brought out the oh, I can't even think of the name of the ship. Now the the one that's um it's the, the smaller ship about the size of the Millennium Falcon four the empire. Do you know which one I'm talking about?
1: The decimator or whatever it's called.
0: Yeah. The decimator. So, uh, people were basically calling it a stress boat. And what they would do is they would load up three tacticians and tacticians, uh, basically say, I believe it's at range two. Um, if you're firing out your primary arc, then, um, your opponent takes a stress. And so they would load up three stress on one ship per attack every single time, which is just infuriating, you know, it's just not fun at all. So they're like, okay, we, we need to stop this. This is, this is too much. And so they said, all right, you can only have one tactician on a ship. And, uh, that was definitely a, a good way to go. But once again, that started, um, the trend of, of basically changing what a, the actual card says. Um, and so now with, with this like i said we have four cards that have been changed as far as what they say um the first one they have here and this one's pretty big as well is manaru and um initially uh see I, i i wasn't i didn't think enough to to come up with what it initially said but um
1: well, it was a. It didn't have a range restriction before, right? right? Yeah, it that's was...
0: that's the main focus of it. So, so now it says at the start of the combat phase, you may assign all focus, evade, and target lock tokens assigned to you to another friendly ship at range one. So in, initially, it was just another friendly ship, and the strategy was play her um, with another ship, and typically it was Dengar. and she would. Um, fly around and cause um she would cause you to try to chase her and then Dengar would uh turn around and come up and and use all of uh, the benefits that uh, she would give and cause um him to attack you and, and it was just incredibly infuriating i hated playing that list um because it was basically like being surrounded by two toilet bowls at all times And, um, they, they've now changed it to where they've got to be within range one of each other, which (sighs) that's kind of tricky for me. I don't know if range one is maybe a little too far the other way. Cause that's, I mean, that's tight, you know, trying to keep it range one is very tight, especially on these larger ships. But if you were to change it to say range two, then it does start to kind of get into the situation of like, okay, that is a little too, too much. So I don't know. I would have to sort of see it in play to see if I think maybe it should have been ranged too, but I definitely think that, um, you know, no range at all was, was too much. And, you know, the thing with these uh, cards is it's basically all stuff that was causing an imbalance in the game or, or where you were seeing the same list get played every single time and it, it it took away variety. And to me, you know, it makes it not fun because I think the best part, like you play star Wars games because you want to be able to jump in with the, the characters and ships that you like from the saga. And then basically seeing that the only thing that's viable is, you know, these couple of ships here or those couple of ships there, it makes it not fun. So, I, I definitely appreciate them doing this. Um, I mean, wh- what's your thoughts on, on Manaru there?
1: I think that players are always going to find a way to perhaps play a, a, a character, play a ship, uh, play a mechanic in a way that the, the designers did not necessarily intend. Um, and in a way that may not necessarily break the game, but severely affects the flow of it but it's still okay because, hey, that's what the card says, man. Um, I think this was one of those cases. The way that they described the scenario um, uh, and and how it essentially they, they you basically take her out of play. Right. You, know, you just you just get her out of there. Don't let her interact with the larger battle and just let stuff still keep happening. Um, was something that was easy to exploit and probably not what they intended. Not what they were thinking whenever they were doing like that she was just going to go hide somewhere. Right. Um, that said, uh, I think that in cases like that, then yeah, you've gotta, there's, there's gotta be at some point that they step in and they address it. But I think that there's, there's another layer added on to what you were saying before about how, you know, people who have the cards who don't check out the fact, um, the FAQ, I was called a fact, um, I mean, they're they're not going to necessarily know and they'll still play it as normal, so you got to kind of know if you're going to go into organized play and that sort of thing. I think there's also the aspect, though, of purchasing decisions. Right. Because you may have someone who is like, I've seen this Manoroo thing, this is sweet, I'm going to go buy me a Punishing One expansion, a Jumpmaster 5000, because I want to do that, because I know that card is in there. And then, boom, now it's been essentially nerfed and now mm-hmm. it's no longer actually what you bought and perhaps what you bought that set for. Um that but ag- again, if you got a tournament based game or a game around which tournaments can be based, I almost feel like you're never gonna be able to get away from that. You know, if you're right. going to ever tweak anything with the cards or the game itself to deal with balance after products are already on the shelves you're going to run into situations where you might have some people who wind up being disappointed because the reason they bought something is now nullified. But the only other answer is what don't ever tweak it and just let the game get all kinds of imbalanced and still try to claim there are legit valid fair tournaments coming out of it. I mean, how do you do that?
0: Right, exactly. And you know, that, that's the thing where it just, I'm all about it. There's, I've noticed there's been lots of people who are upset. Um, but it's because they um they've had something that's been you know overpowered that they can constantly go to and then that gets taken away from them and now they have to you know move to strategy again instead of you know just relying on that not that they don't have to do strategy but like i said there's a level of difficulty that um, isn't there, you know, and, and a lot of that comes with this next card that they're going to oh, mention. Yeah. Okay, um, okay.
1: I've got the original text versus okay the updated text. Okay. Mm-hmm. This, this might as well be a different character. This might as well be the emperor and the emperor reborn from dark. Empire. <laughs> they're so different. Uh-huh. The original emperor Palpatine reads imperial only once per round. You may change a friendly ship's die result at die singular to any other die result, that die result cannot be modified again. So whenever you feel like it, I don't like that die, flip to whatever I want, I just can't change that sucker again. Now, it is much more situational and there's an element of risk involved, which is something that they were they, they flat out say they were trying to introduce into the scenario here. Now it says, Imperial only, once per round, Before a friendly ship rolls dice, you may name a die result. After rolling, you must, not may, but must change one of its die results to the named result. That die result cannot be modified again. So all of a sudden, you're having to basically play the amazing Kreskin and kind of predict what's about to happen to try to make the best advantage of the situation to be able to get a die result change that you want. I find that... I mean, I think it's it's a it, it's kind of a cool thing in, in addressing it strategically. I think it was probably uh, to a large degree an overpowered card or an overpowered upgrade to begin with. Oh yeah. But it shocks me that I'm sitting back saying, "Wow, they basically, except for that last sentence, just rewrote that entire <laughs> paragraph worth of text."
0: Yeah, yeah, and because and and once again, it's the the change comes with beforehand. It was you play through, and it was sort of a. Um, you know, a one, one chance, uh, shot to, to change some, to change a result after the fact when you play through Whereas now you have to, you know, you have to actually pick beforehand because once the result is, is down, if you didn't call it beforehand, that's the result. Um, so you, it, it makes a huge difference. You know what I'm saying? Like between, between basically saying, Oh crap, I just rolled and I missed or, or I was one under or whatever. Now you may say, Ooh, I, I'm probably going to miss this or I need this or whatever. I'm going to go ahead and use it now versus you basically having the ability to say, "Whoo! that, that was great. You know, I, I might've had to use the emperor there, but he's going to come in handy a little bit later you know, you have to call your shots uh, with this, and that. that's a huge change. Um, that's the one that, you know, the is getting the most uh, chatter about, and the reason why is because you, if you're playing, as far as, like, in a, a tournament setting, if you're playing uh, Empire and you're not putting him, putting Emperor Palpatine on a shuttle, you're basically doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was the only viable option and you know between that and and some of these other setups here people weren't playing rebels anymore people were only playing one faction and that's not what fantasy flight wants and um so that's this guy right here i think was like the number one perpetrator and and why a lot of these changes came about
1: so so the emperor Has gotten neutered, so there goes another Ray theory, right? (laughs) Um, But uh, I would say, I would say that that I I think that this kind of makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you, it's no longer thematic. He's not all powerful, but was the Emperor ever truly all seeing? Because he did say that everything was proceeding as he had foreseen, but then it all went to crap on him. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it it was not a perfect. Ability to see the future and predict all things and manipulate the situation. So it kind of makes sense that if he's going to manipulate it, maybe he has to take a shot, not entirely in the dark, but close to it from time to time. Um, next one.
0: Okay, so... Um, the... Oh, you had something I, to say? I've,
1: th- I've got the cards again, if you like.
0: Uh, yeah, if you, if you want to just kind of... Sure.
1: All right, so the, it's the TIE X7, or TIE time. Seven. I was. I never quite know what to put the say as the, as the X. Like the tie advanced X one by one, X one. It says tie defender only. Title. Your upgrade bar loses the and gives two different upgrade icons. Uh, and that's the same still now. But originally the last half of it said after executing a three, four, or five speed maneuver, you may assign one evade token to your ship. Now they've added to that saying after executing a three, four, or five speed maneuver, which is the same, if you did not overlap an obstacle or ship, which is now different, you may perform a free evade action. So basically now you have to fly more carefully because you're not going to get the benefit whenever you feel like it when doing a three, four or five speed maneuver, because if you overlap with anything, you're not getting the benefit anymore.
0: Right. And I don't, to me, I feel like this one's pretty minor. I haven't noticed anyone saying anything about it. I wasn't aware of, um, that being a a strategy that was being utilized that, and you know, of, of saying, or, you know, I, I guess sort of abused, you could say, um, but and then at the same time, they don't really mention that um, as an explanation in here. So I think it's just something that they clarified that it's it's not that big of a deal. But maybe there was a tactic that I'm not aware of that that was being used for it. Um, I mean, I guess I could see someone say landing on debris and then getting the evade still, and then you know, kind of making them harder to shoot because you know, you, um, shooting through, um, through debris or whatever, you know, it's, it's going to, uh, be obscured. So then you get that plus the evade and it, it makes you a little harder to hit. Maybe that was a thing. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, but like I said, to me, this seems minor. It's not nearly as big as the, the previous two. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you have Zuckus, uh, not the pilot card or the ship card as it's called, Um, but as an upgrade, as a crew member. Um, Originally, it said scum only, which is still the case. When attacking, you may receive any number of stress tokens to choose an equal number of defense dice. The defender must re-roll those dice. Uh, What they've changed is essentially a quick little clause inserted in there. When attacking, if you are not stressed, there's your new part, you may receive any number of stress tokens to choose an equal number of defense dice, uh, the Defender must re-roll those, re-roll those dice. So Zuckus can't just be a massive stress pit where it just keeps piling up regardless. If you've already done that and you're still sitting in there with stress tokens, you're not going to get to just keep doing this over and over again.
0: hmm And that's the thing, too, is... I mean, I really feel like that the card should have initially had that because he cost one point. And if you imagine, you know... You, you take the one point and then you have the, uh, the, the ship. I can't even think of the name of his ship. That looks like a helicopter. Um, but you the know, mist hunter. Yeah. Yeah. You throw him on like the mist hunter and you say, okay, here's, here's the ship. Here's what he's going to do. I don't care about anything else. Like he only exists, um, to, you know, to rack up stress. That's not a lot of cost for that you know what i'm saying and and so now there's the balance of okay you can do that but at the same time you uh if you're going to do it again you you've got to clear all that stress first and that's going to make it a lot harder to to clear that stress if you're racking a ton up
1: exactly it's 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 very much a cost-benefit analysis in in a very real sense, because it's not even you know an opportunity cost of I could do this or do this in terms of this action versus this other thing that isn't readily com- comparable. Um, but now, I mean, it's literally how many stress tokens do I want versus how many am I willing to accrue? You know, how ma- how many do I need to get rid of to do this? It's it is a straight numerical decision-making process now about it, and I th- I think that's probably a good a good call. I would imagine that he was being used as, again, kind of a stress pit in that sense. Um, and, and I'm not sure that if, if he cost what Emperor Palpatine did, if he cost like eight, right. Then I'm not sure I would have been quite as concerned about needing to add that, you know, when unstressed, it probably still should have been there, but for a cost of one, you're right. That is a very, very powerful thing to get for super, super cheap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just <laughs> it is nuts. Uh, so
1: and now it's not cheap anymore. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So or at least I, you
1: don't get as much benefit out of it for the uh, because he he's now kind of like the used car instead of that new car on the lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, or something right. like
1: that. I I lost my metaphor in there somewhere.
0: Yeah, but like I said, I I still say for for one point, I think he's still viable for what he does. He's just not stupid broken.
1: Yeah, And none of these cards, I mean, are, I would argue that they're all still viable. It's just a question of now you have to, in one sense, probably use it the way it was originally envisioned. Right. Uh, but you have to play in a way that's not going to unbalance the game. It's still giving you essentially what you got before. It's just not doing so in a way that's like, you know, flipping a switch and turning on God mode. You know yeah. what I mean? It, they're not overpowered anymore, but they're similar enough. They're still thematic. They still fit what they used to do. It's not like we completely changed the text and made it say something, you know, that has no relation to what was the case before. Even Palpatine, with his almost completely different text, still is doing something similar to what he did before, just in a less overpowered way.
0: Right. And, you know, and the biggest thing, too, is just how long Palpatine was what Palpatine was. You know, I mean, he, from the time that he came out, which is funny because I actually remember initially everyone being like, uh, for eight points and two crew slots, like this isn't going to get any use. I just can't see that being worth it. And then as soon as people actually started playing it, it was the most used thing in the entire game. Um, and you know, that came out back with the, uh, oh man, I, my brain is, is terrible today. I cannot come up with uh, the ship names. What's, what's that one that, uh, I remember you were having issues with the um your wings being bent.
1: Oh, the uh oh, see now that you said the Raider, the Imperial Raider. Right, the Raider.
0: Yeah. And I mean, how long ago did that come out? Like it's been a good almost a year, hasn't it?
1: Probably more than that, I think. Yeah. I mean, it they, they do seem to come at a uh come in quite a few at once. Even sometimes some waves feel like they're more back-to-back than other ones have been. So my timing of figuring out when anything with X-Wing came out is all completely blown to crap.
0: Right. Let's let's call it a year and then think of one one thing being dominant for a year's time. That's that's too long, you know? I mean, if anything, like I said, these changes came way too late. And it's most likely due to them... I feel like fantasy flight has the mindset of we will errata cards, but it's going to be, you know, let's see if there's other things we can do first. I don't think that's their initial uh, response. I I think they try to see if they can't implement some sort of rule change or something like that, that will affect the card without having to actually put it on the card itself. That way, um, you know, someone doesn't say, uh-uh, this is what my card says. It's like, oh, yes, but the f- recent FAQ, and they're like, oh, well, that's... Fr-, you know, like, I-, I think they try to avoid that, and sometimes you can't. I like how they go about doing it, but, you know, is what it is sometimes. Yup. So, have we you missed any... want
1: to uh, uh, a cornucopia of quick little in topics to wrap things up here, or do we have anything else to add for X-Wing? I think...
0: I don't have anything done else done that for acting at justice? the moment. Yeah,
1: for once we've done a subject justice.
0: Well, <laughs> our form of justice, at least
1: our form of justice. We've done our form of justice, our, uh, Yeah, never mind. I was gonna make, I was gonna make a political joke, but I won't. <laughs> fine, fine. Um, so I did want to bring up um, a couple things. One, some more. Uh, related to some stuff that we talked about on the show that I'm involved with to make sure that everybody kind of is on, is, is kept in the loop in case you don't follow the YouTube channel. But there was also, uh, I know our, one of our running topics that we've had is I've been trying to bring little news bits and such about the uh, PlayStation VR in case you're trying to get into that and, and you're intrigued by that type of thing so that I can sort of help guide if people are still trying to make that decision of whether it's a good idea or not. Um, they did just do some big... Uh, Uh, playstation vr updates or well, a playstation 4 update it was a new firmware update 4.5 and this actually pertains to something you had talked about about wanting to get a 3d television and whether or not that's something you're going to be able to find uh, in in the price range that you want and all that kind of stuff um so the new update has added the ability to do things like make your own background image your own wallpaper um you can now have an external hard drive, if you like, with your PS4 instead of having to just, if you want more space, swap out the internal hard drive, um, which are big deals, but also things that you could do on other systems previously. Um, But one of the things that stands out to me because of the PSVR angle is that, as we've discussed before as a possibility, you can now play a a Blu-ray 3D disc in your PlayStation 4. It will not pipe out to the TV for the uh, the 3D TV experience, unless it happens to be a 3D TV and you're not using the VR headset. Um, but you can forego the TV entirely, put the VR headset on, and watch that movie in 3D in the headset because it already uses stereoscopic 3D for the virtual environments of the games. And I got to tell you, this was quite impressive. Uh, I tried it out with uh, parts of The Force Awakens and parts of Age of Ultron. And... Speaking as someone who wears glasses, when I'm watching it on a TV and I've got 3D glasses on, um, I have to wear glasses basically over glasses. And that just accentuates any glare or reflections that I'm getting from around me and makes it harder to see. Um, So in that sense, the PSVR headset for 3D worked great because it's already designed to sort of block out all the exterior light. And it's got room so that if you're wearing glasses, you can still wear the glasses and have the headset on, and it's perfectly comfortable. So that worked out well. Um, it also has some size options that you can choose. What it does is it throws you into cinematic mode, which is basically where it's just a giant screen, and that's how you could play non-VR non, uh, games still wearing the VR headset if you wanted to for some reason. But what it does is you can turn on the normal setting, And you get to watch a 3D movie, or 2D if you watch a 2D film on it. It's the same sizes. And it's basically the size of a regular movie theater screen. If you were sitting at pretty much the optimal height, and you were sitting uh, a handful of rows back, not super up close, far enough back basically that the edges of the screen are going to kind of be right at the edges of what would be your peripheral vision. So you're slightly shifting your head to follow the action, but you're not having to shift dramatically. Um, Or you can turn it on to large screen, which is kind of like XD at Cinemark theaters. It's not as big as IMAX, but it's pretty freaking huge. Um, Large enough that yes, you will have to turn your head to see the edges of the screen. Um, So a much bigger presentation, still looking good, although I'm watching on a PS4 Pro, so that may make a difference in how clear it's coming across. Um, But then there's also a small screen, which is almost like having a a tablet in front of you that you're moving around because you can see the entire screen without having to shift at all. It doesn't go anywhere near your peripheral vision. But it also, instead of being like large and normal where you can sit back and you turn your head and the screen is stationary – and you're just moving where you're looking around, the small mode locks it exactly in front of your face. So regardless of how you move your head, it's still right in front of your eyes, and the center point is always locked on that same spot. Um, But for those who were lamenting, like I was, the loss of 3D televisions uh, on the American market, but still like 3D films at home on 3D Blu-ray, this is now a way to do that. They've also added uh, the most recent update to the YouTube app for PlayStation Uh, well, for PlayStation 4, has now added a VR mode for YouTube. And using that mode, you can watch a lot of uh, YouTube, not only 360-degree videos as if you're there inside the virtual environment, but also um, 3D videos in that way as well, including 3D 360-degree, which is basically a virtual environment. You just can't control moving around and stuff like that. So uh, viewing options... For recorded content aside from gaming, um, has been beefed up for the PSVR recently. So that may be a solution for you. We're thinking about maybe VR, maybe 3D TV, maybe this just solved it. But you're not going to be able to watch those 3D movies with anyone,
0: right? And that—that's my only thing with it. I, I like now that I don't have to say crap. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to go like secondary market to pick up a TV because that—that's been one thing that I've been concerned about. Uh, with them sort of disappearing, and I'm like, okay, let me see what I'm going to do here, and you know, I've just had so many other things that have taken priority over trying to research for TVs, I am happy at least I can say, oh, well, I'll just get a PSVR, and I can at least do that. But if I want to say, you know, watch something with my wife, that's going to be impossible with the VR. Um, So I, I don't know that that's necessarily uh gonna be better but to be honest most likely the the films that i want to watch in in vr she's not gonna have a whole lot of interest in uh for instance you know um watching something like godzilla or pacific rim she's gonna be like All right, i'm gonna go in the bedroom and watch something else <laughs> you know she's not gonna yeah, give gonna... a crap but uh,
1: now speaking of, uh, i could point out if you're gonna be watching something just kind of on your own just chilling Uh, somebody brought up, when I first mentioned this on Facebook, somebody said, uh, well, that's still going to be uncomfortable and such because doesn't it have to track like the lights on the headset and everything? Aren't you going to have to be sitting the same way you'd be sitting to be playing a game? Um, I found that that is not the case. It must just be tracking your movement with the gyroscopic accelerometer-type stuff instead of the lights. Okay. Um, Because I was able to just kind of chill. I was able to just kind of lay back on the floor with the headset on, and I was still able to view just fine, and it head-tracked just fine. So okay. it's it's a com- it's a relatively comfortable experience if you find wearing the headset at all comfortable. You well, know, what I mean if you're if you're already bothered by the headset then that's not going to be for you. But it's since it automatically does the 3D audio thing too for films that that have really good audio mixes, mm-hmm. um, it also makes for a really good just in general sound and visual experience. I was I was very impressed by it, and I expected this to be kind of a well, at least I can watch them on there if I want to. And then I tried it. And I'm like, wow, I don't know when I'm going to use that TV in there for 3D again. This
0: is sweet. <laughs> right. So, well, and the thing, yeah. too, to think about is, yeah, you've got to wear the headset, but you're going to have to wear 3D glasses uh, for a 3D television anyway. And right. I, I'm not.
1: And, and, and that's where it got. Sorry, I'm, I'm just excited. <laughs> That's that particular thing is what gets me to, because the, the other thing is, well, wait a second. well, if I'm in the headset watching the movie, I can't be doing anything else. Right. Well, for a lot of those TVs, they use a a, a shutter system type of glasses, uh, right or they are you know a polarized set of glasses or something. So if I want to be watching some, like if I'm sitting in my office watching a 3D film, I'm watching it with and the, and as soon as my glasses are pointing towards the screen, everything darkens and it goes to 3D. If I turn my head away, it lightens back up and the 3D effect is gone and I'm just looking like through normal glasses. So unless I'm constantly turning my head and having it go light, dark, light, dark, light, dark, would you like a seizure now? Um, (laughs) Right. Unless I'm doing that, I mean, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot while I'm sitting there watching a 3D film anyway, just because of the nature of the way a lot of the glasses work out there. So either way, you're kind of, one person as an island, not doing any anything else. Only, only concern I'd be worried about with that would be like if I had popcorn or something, I wouldn't be able to you know see it to grab it and I'd be dumping <laughs> it all over myself.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I was you know coming more from a, a from the idea of the comfort of them, and I you know I'm not super familiar with. I know there's different uh, glasses for different kinds of televisions for for 3D. Um, but the way I understand it, most of them end up using special glasses that have to have like batteries put in and everything anyway, so...
1: Or USB charge, yeah.
0: Right, and so those are going to be a little heavier, but not not quite as heavy as, as like say the, uh, the 3D or, or the, the VR, but the VR is also designed to distribute weight in other places, so I would think that it's going to end up being somewhat of a wash. Um, maybe the, the VR would be slightly less comfortable, but probably not enough to really note, I would think.
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, it, the, the comfort level from the two experiences, aside from you with the glasses and the glare and such, it was not, not I mean, they were both pretty comfortable to, uh, right. to watch that way. So, so you know, hey, congratulations, PlayStation VR! You have a new feature that we were talking about as being something we would like to see at launch, and it only took you until when Blu-ray 3D was dying to decide <laughs> to give us another way to watch 3D. Right, so right. Probably, probably a too little, too late to save 3D in any way. But uh, you know, it's like you know, they say, smoke them while you got them. Well, <laughs> grab them off the store shelves while you can, and and watch them however you can. Yeah. I went to I went to Target today. I was actually specifically there looking to see what 3D films there were there that I didn't have already that I wanted to pick up before they disappeared from the shelves. And apparently I was too late because they had like two movies still in 3D and usually it's Best Buy and Target that sell them, uh-huh. but other places don't, and they've both been pretty much cleared out at least in my area. So uh, the demise is real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's is what it is. I don't. I don't think it's going to be leaving theaters anytime soon. I think that they kind of yeah. like that uh, um, that upcharge that they can get, and you know. Oh yeah. Now, now,
1: now I will say that the if we're the where we're seeing the changes seems to be more that we're seeing the change on the production side. Like for a while there, a lot of the three D films you were seeing were actually filmed in three D. Right. Um, but what it did was that caused a lot of issues when you had the special effects because of how they had to make them, as opposed to shoot it in two D, make all your effects in two D, and then just go through the three D conversion process afterwards, which is hell of a lot cheaper, works better with multiple different types of three D. And all of a sudden, it's sort of become the standard. Like all the Star Wars 3D stuff that we've gotten so far was all 3D conversion. It wasn't shot in 3D or anything like that. Right. Um, speaking of home video, is that is that a good transition? That was to, to terrific. Separate? Yes, if I hadn't called it out, it would have been right. great. Exactly. Um, <laughs> speaking of home video, I do have a couple of, uh, of uh, updates, I guess you'd say on some Star Wars home video things I'm involved with when we're looking towards celebration and everything and later this year. So uh, I mentioned on the show, I believe previously that we had submitted a proposal to have a Star Wars home video collecting tr- uh, panel on the collecting track this year. Yeah, not gonna happen. Uh, we did not get in, we had something like 50 or however many, that, that, like orders of magnitude more proposals then they actually had slots to have different panels. So my guess is they're probably going with panels that are a little more focused on what we think of as Star Wars collecting, like the statues, the maquettes, the action figures, um, you know, kind of the traditional stuff, and that this may have been just a little too unusual of a topic to have on the collecting track, which was kind of a stretch to begin with because it is collecting, but people don't usually think of home video collecting in the same vein as other collecting. So there will not be a panel, but... The fact that there's not going to be a panel and that they've finally announced the release dates for Rogue One, right? Digital March 24th, uh, April 4th, home video, physical media, um, has allowed me to finally pin down a release time frame for that book that I'm writing on Star Wars home video from the U.S. That's going to trace it all the way from 1977 up until modern day. It's the first 40 years of Star Wars home video. Um, That book is almost done except for Rogue One. It's uh, about 270 pages now. It's got a giant checklist in the back for those who are trying to collect and keep track of those things. Uh, The cover is, the front cover is pretty much done. It's got about 300 plus images in it now, all taken from my own collection. So it's just about ready. All I need to do is get Rogue One in there. That was one of the things that was still left was, am I gonna wait for Rogue One? Answer, yes, because now I don't have to try to rush and have something to show for a panel. and because of that, I'm betting it's going to be May. Uh, it be sometime in May when that book finally arrives. So in a sense, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that we weren't able to do the panel because now I don't have to feel so rushed getting that book ready. And I don't have to worry about possibly leaving Rogue One out. I can make that the last thing I cover in depth and then wrap a nice little bow on that thing and be done. Um, and if you're interested in, in that, the possibility of maybe being able to get a signed copy of that or some of the other books that I've written and things like that. Um, more information coming soon on a Patreon that I'm about to launch because I love making the videos, but getting all this stuff for the timeline and for the videos in it, that that that's getting expensive. <laughs> so we're hoping to defray that a little bit uh, following the example of the intrepid Riley Blanton of StarWarsReport.com.
0: Excellent. Well, you know, the other good thing is that now you have more time uh, for that weekend and you will be able to attend my panel. Ooh, what are you doing? So
1: I, I, I hadn't heard yet that, it was, that there was a confirmed panel.
0: What's yeah. Doing? So my panel, uh, did go through and, and was confirmed and I'm actually doing it with, uh, Eric Pfeiffer and, uh, Rachel over at, um, they do twin sons transmission, uh, podcast. We've actually had Eric, uh, on the show in the past. And, um, we propose to do a panel on uh, like Star Wars exclusives. So like uh, store exclusives, convention exclusives, things like that, where we're going to kind of go through nice. the history of them, the different kinds, uh, where to find them, you know, just just different little, uh, little things on that, you know, how, how to collect them, the merits of collecting uh, exclusives over, you know, other types and, and you know, just things like that. Uh, that's going to be Sunday at eleven o'clock.
1: Very cool. I I had no idea. I know you'd mentioned that you know there were there were ideas being floated around, but I hadn't heard a lot of a uh, detail yet. That's pretty sweet.
0: Yep. So I'll uh, I'll keep reminding people of that uh, as we get closer to it. Just get,
1: just do like a, an ad. that says, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday.
0: <laughs> Monster and trucks. People, I mean, right. At eleven. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Panel at eleven. Instead of film at eleven. There you go. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. Panel at eleven. Come exactly. On, come on. Remember it, people. So um, I, I think you know, all we got to do now is our uh, our plugs. So if you want to plug all them places that uh, you can be found.
1: All damn places. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, I can be found on uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films, which is also hosted on StarWarsReport.com, just like Cloud City Casino. And uh, my Star Wars Timeline goal the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere, can be found at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. Uh, and then you get all the YouTube stuff, uh, reviews of all the Fantasy Flight game stuff as it's coming in, uh, including, hey, there's a new Imperial Assault playmat that doesn't actually save you much money, but that's <laughs> a whole nother thing. Um Uh, Let's Plays of a lot of PSVR stuff, including a full playthrough of that Rogue One mission that you can get, the VR mission for Battlefront, Battlefront Let's Plays, and whatnot. Uh, Actually did some recent uh, question and answer, like viewer question uh, vlogs, just answering all, literally, all the questions that came in on a pair of vlogs. Uh, All of those can be found on the YouTube channel, along with where you could watch the newest one about questions answered and post some of your own if you'd like them answered. Uh, all over there, it's YouTube dot, you, yeah, YouTube dot com. I almost was like, YouTube dot, wait, what? <laughs> See, I thought I was on a roll. Uh, YouTube dot com slash, apparently you don't have to put the user in there anymore, where it's slash user slash chronoradio. You should be able to just go to YouTube dot com slash chronoradio, and it'll take you right there. It's chrono like chronology, radio like, you know, radio, that that thing before podcasts and iPods and stuff.
0: Excellent. Um, and then of course I can be found over at Twitter and on Instagram, uh, which I actually have been pretty decent about putting my Instagram photos up. They don't come up a ton, but you know, I don't take a lot of pictures. I'm not a big picture person. Um, but, uh, when I do, they go up there and it's just that more sizely on both of those. And then of course, uh, the show can be found over on uh, StarWarsReport.com. You can just click on the little podcast tab and go down to Cloud City Casino. Uh, we have the uh, Facebook and Twitter, which are just, you know, Cloud City Casino over there. And, uh, of course, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and then in the Star Wars app on the Google Play Store. And uh, we really appreciate it if you uh, just take a second make sure and subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review because that helps other people see us. And I know it's a pain, especially on iTunes. Um, they, I can't believe that to this point, they still have not made it more user friendly, uh, to, to leave reviews, but they haven't. So it is what it is. Uh, but you know, I mean, we ain't charging you. We ain't putting ads out there. Uh, so just, you know, do us a solid leave us a, a, a positive review we'll read it and greatly appreciate it but uh that's that's been our show so you know what's that thing we say uh nate every week remember
1: let the wookie win
0: yeah or otherwise you're gonna errata all your cards
1: like what errata I didn't see a frequently asked question let's just play for fun and I'll kick your ass with Palpatine <laughs> all right. I, I guess that's not really how a Wookiee would sound but whatever the the Wookiee version would be of right of
0: that right exactly <laughs> all right
1: <sighs> or what would have been about a hundred dollars more a couple of years ago yeah. okay. what the
0: sorry Someone's calling me from Michigan, which means that they're going to go, oh, is Ricky here? No, Ricky's not here. Ricky's never been here. I've had this phone number for like 15 years, and now all of a sudden people think that it's Ricky's phone number. I get phone calls all the time for someone
1: who must be the daughter or son of this old guy in like North or South Carolina, and... The other day, I was left a voicemail where this dude who still hasn't figured out that it's a male voice and it's not his kid, that he's, or, kid or grandkid that he's talking to whenever my voicemail uh, opener plays. He, I kid you not, sung me happy birthday on a voicemail.
0: <laughs> God, people are so dumb.
1: Yeah, what is wrong with this? What, is, what is wrong with people?
0: This part, this part is over. over.